Hi, I'm Arnav Rostogi, and this is Sattvic Srinivas. And together, we are co-hosts of the Backfield Rift. Thank you for tuning in. And in this episode, we're going to be looking at the AFC and NFC South, how we felt before the season, how the season went for these teams, and what we think these teams need to focus on looking forward. Let's get right into it. Yeah, let's start out with your Saints, Arnav. And you said this, you know, the goal of the season was to win a Super Bowl. And the New Orleans Saints did not achieve that goal. So the season was a disappointment. And how do you feel about how the season went down? Look, I mean, I had this team going 12 and four. They went 12 and four, you know, and I know my Saints best. Uh, but look, really, for the past three years, it's been the same way. It's like, you know, the team, they have the talent, they have the roster, you need to win a Super Bowl. And look, if you don't win a Super Bowl, you come away empty-handed. The season was a disappointment. It's, it's really that simple. There's not much to say. The, the team was engineered for the postseason. Mickey Loomis, he drafted a lot of good guys, got key pieces like Jared Cook and Emmanuel Sanders from free agency. So, you know, another year, Drew Brees wasn't able to get it done. It's, it's getting tiring as a Saints fan, especially because, you know, the retirement rumors, especially – I don't know if he's going to retire or not, especially with that workout video he posted, but I just, man, it's just disappointing. Yeah, I know that. I feel you. And, you know, with the Saints team, it always feels like in the postseason, it's just one thing or the other. They're, they're just not able to get it done. And I guess, you know, throughout the regular season, they just sort of, they have good offensive scheme with Sean Payton. There's no question about that. The defense was solid just, you know, winning the games that they're supposed to win, you know, a couple games here and there where a little, you know, shaky, but for, for the most part, you know, a solid season. But then when you get to the postseason, when there's really, there's no margin for error, right? You have to be on the top of your game um, all 60 minutes of the game. And I don't want to put it like all on Drew Brees, you know, it's definitely not all on him, but there was a part there he was sort of holding this team back in that Bucks game and we we can't act like that's not true yeah it's hard for Saints fans to admit but it is true Drew Drew Brees did play a significant part of why the Bucks lost he was inefficient he did throw interceptions um you know even though other guys they may fumbled the ball like Jared Cook Drew Brees a lot of the error and and the inefficiencies throughout throughout the game are going to fall on him and, you know, looking forward, I, I think, you know, the, the retirement rumors, I think that's, that's really what's going to dominate the Saints here and, and the quarterback position uh, because, you know, are, are really there's two, two routes you can go here. Um, there's, there's a lot of trade rumors, especially around Russell Wilson. Um, and do the Saints have the capital to get it done? Do, do you trade a Cam Jordan or a Michael Thomas and move a big guy to get another big guy? Or do you just keep it safe, play it safe, and get Jameis Winston, who's already been in the system and sat behind Drew Brees and Sean Payton, one of the greatest offensive minds in the game? Yeah, you know, if I'm being honest with the whole Drew Brees thing, I don't know, but here's what I will say. If I'm Drew Brees, do I want to go out like that? I don't think I do. But for the Saints, you know, I don't know if they really have the cap to make that happen, you know, get a guy like Russell Wilson. I think – if I'm New Orleans and the best thing for my organization would probably be to stick with Jameis this year, see what he has, 
you know, there, there's no necessarily, there's no pressing need. I mean, I guess you have the roster, you know, you want to go compete for the Super Bowl, but realistically, if you want to have this team ready for, you know, the future, you need to find the replacement for Drew Brees. And you're not going to know whether Jameis has it or not, unless, you know, you give him the opportunity to play like a full season or a significant amount of time as a starter. But, you know, how, how, do, how would you approach it, you know, if you're the Saints right now? I'm going with Jameis. And unless I act like Jameis is a bad quarterback either, I'm telling you, he's an upgrade over a handful of quarterbacks in the NFL right now. I'm telling you that. He, I mean, this is a dude who threw 5,000 yards and 30 touchdowns, right? You know, had 30 interceptions, but – in a Saints system, which is, you know, reliant on not turning the ball over and after, you know, LASIK surgery, whatever that was for Jameis, hopefully he's, if he cuts down on the interceptions, he, he's, he's a top 15 starting quarterback, I would say. Definitely. He's above average in this league. Yeah. And, you know, it really comes down to what Sean Payton wants. Cause you know, he is, he's, he's in charge in New Orleans, basically with football, and, you know, how does he feel? You know, you also have the third kind of candidate here with Taysom Hill. How's that going to work out? You know, he's taken up a significant chunk of the cap space too. But as you said, you know, for like three years now, it's been the same story. You have a good team, you have a good roster, but if you don't want the Super Bowl, it doesn't matter. And, and something's going to have to change. You know, it looks like Drew Brees is pretty much on his way out. So they're going to have to find the replacement. And and that cap space as well, you know, they're going to have to let go of one or two big guys, whether that's Trey Hendrickson, who broke out this year, or or Marcus Williams, who's been a, you know, reliable safety for the past couple of years, uh, minus that Minnesota play uh, in the postseason. But yeah, eventually it's going to catch up to the Saints where it's like, you know, a lot of guys are asking for a lot of money that the Saints just don't have. So, and I think that's really come to heads. It's going to come to heads this, this off season with, you know, they're, they're, they're under the cap. Like I think still 50, 40 million, even though Mickey Loomis has restructured a lot of contracts, um, cut a few guys here and there. So I guess it's TBD on the saints, uh, especially with the question marks on how they navigate the cap and the quarterback position. You know, looking at uh, another team here that could be facing some cap struggles, you know, in Tampa Bay, you know, this season, uh, just a remarkable success for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, a lot, a lot of that really, this tremendous free agent class and also the guys that they were able to get like AB and, you know, on, on cheap contracts. And, and really the point I'm trying to make here is at some point, these guys are also going to have to get paid and you have the money to make that happen if you're Tampa Bay. So I guess the real thing is Tampa Bay is going to have to make some tough decisions this offseason, who they want to keep and who they're going to have to move on from. Yeah, that's definitely a, a struggle that Tampa Bay is going to face. But, I mean, you know, any season where any team wins a Super Bowl is a success. You know, that, that is the ultimate goal when you start the season, and Tampa Bay achieved it, obviously, with uh, Tom Brady coming over and taking back the quarterback position. Um, you know, this is a team where, which was right where I thought they would be. Uh, I, I got, had them going 10-6. and six. They went 11-5, and five, finished second in the division. But – this is a team, it performed when it mattered. Unlike the Saints, they, they came into the postseason and slowly and surely they kept working their way up, getting better, getting better, getting better, and then they just caught fire at the right time. Went into Tampa Bay, their home, and won the Super Bowl. So I think hats off to Tampa Bay. 
that's great. You know, I, I know we both kept doubting them. We we always like, okay, you know, they're getting lucky. They may lose a game, but we think we really overlooked the progress that they were going to make. They made throughout the season. Yeah. You know, I had them going 12 and four in the regular season. You know, I was pretty high on this team. I guess they split the difference between your prediction and mine and going 11 and five. Yeah. But no, I also had the saints going 12 and four. And like you said, you know, this was, I had the saints winning the division, which of course they did, but like you said, when it mattered in the postseason, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers team, they, they really, they made the plays that had to be made. And that's the difference. You know, you got to show up in the big moments. And I think a lot of that, you know, Tom Brady and Bruce Arians too, he, he needs to get credit for what he was able to do, putting these guys together, Todd Bowles, his coaching staff, the GM. I, Tampa Bay just did a terrific job. But I, I think the key thing here is, you know, there is going to be a time when Brady is, you know, retires, whenever that time comes. So if you're Tampa Bay, do you look to, you know, get your next quarterback to learn under Brady? Or are you all in win now mode and you keep going after guys to support this roster? I mean, and that, that, that's really the big question here is that, you know, are you going to look to your future or are you going to look to your present and say, you know, Let's, let's make another shot at it. Let's win another Super Bowl. Because I'm, I'm sure Brady wants to do that. I don't think Brady has any interest in, in having a guy behind him and, you know, say, okay, you know, I'm going to do what's best for the organization. That type. Like, if he did that in New England, that would be understandable because, like, you know, this is a dude who's been in the organization for how many what years, right? But, you know, he came to Tampa Bay to win. So I highly doubt, even though I really think, the best step for the organization is to focus on the future and draft a quarterback. I, I don't think they will. Um, and I think actually, when you look at the cap space and the guys that might leave, you know, this team has 12 mil in cap, right. And, and some of the free agents that they have, you know, Levante, David, Shaq Barrett, Chris Godwin. I know we're going to delve into this more in our free agency special, but they're not going to be able to bring all three of those guys back. I think it's going to be, they have to pick one and let the other two go. And, you know, as generous as Mike Evans may be, where he's like, you know, I'm going to take less money to keep other guys. I'm, I'm afraid, A, it's not going to cover everyone and all the money that they might want. And B, not everyone on the team is like Mike Evans, where it's like they'll sacrifice the money in order to keep the guys. So I think really, if I'm Tampa Bay, I'm going into the offseason, like, okay, pick one guy, go into the draft. Go, go and get another cheaper guy to replace, say, Levante David or Chris Godwin or Shaq Barrett. Yeah. And, you know, I think it really just boils down to the key pieces. You know, when you're building a roster, and there's always going to be guys that are coming in and coming out. But if you can keep the foundation of guys together, you know, if you can keep your Brady, you keep your Gronkowski, you know, defensively, if you can keep – I mean, of course, you're going to have, like, on the back end, Antoine Winfield Jr., the young guys. But, you know, defensively, you need pass rushers. And I don't know if it's necessarily feasible to keep Shaq Barrett because, you know, he's looking to break the bank, you know, and that kind of thing. But you're going to have to make tough tough decisions if you're Tampa Bay. But I think if they can keep that foundation together, they still have a shot at competing for Super Bowls. And, yeah. Definitely, definitely, they do. I think, I think definitely, I think uh, for the next two to three years, I definitely think Brady's going to stay. So you're, you're looking at that time frame, and, you know, you just plan accordingly. Essentially, your Super Bowl run and your time, time frame is dependent on how long Brady stays in Tampa Bay. So I'd, I'd work around that. Uh, let's look at another team that's developing their foundation, uh, and that's the Carolina Panthers. 
And this is a really young team led by a young college coach named Matt Rule. And what a culture they established. I mean, I significantly, you know, under predicted and underestimated what this team could do. I had them going two and 14. They ended five and 11 and they, they won some quality games. I would point to the Cardinals game where they, I mean, they were just dominant flat out. And, you know, what this team was able to accomplish this year, especially uh, developing guys uh, like Jeremy Chin um, and uh, the way that the offense turned out, especially with uh, guys like Curtis Samuel and, you know, adapting to life without uh, Christian McCaffrey. I would say this is a step in the right direction for this team. You know, absolutely. You know, um, Matt Rule was a guy I was really high on, you know, when he was hired for this job, the culture he built, you know, they went heavy defense in the draft and and that paid off you know you see you got guys like jeremy chin um they drafted your term uh moderate gross i think and you know this is just a culture that they're building this roster they're building it the right way with the with the line you know building it from inside to, to the outside and you know if you really look at what's missing what's the key you know, that's the quarterback position and i really think that if they can find the right quarterback this team is really set up in a position to be a contender, you know, especially, you know, looking forward, maybe not in 2021, but 2022. I really think that Carolina is in a position to really be the lead dog in this division, you know, after Breeze is on his way out, you know, Brady's in a couple of years will be on his way out. And if in that time, you know, Carolina has their coach and they have their quarterback and you're ready to go and you're ready to go compete, you know, win playoff, win games and get it to the playoffs. Yeah, and I'm going to just float Deshaun Watson out there. I know we did it for the 49ers. We did it for the Bears as well. But um, really, this team has actually made moves, if you look at it, to, to make space for Deshaun Watson, cutting guys who are eating into cap, um, you know, offering a bunch of draft capital. I think they're only second to the Bears in terms of making a run at Deshaun Watson. So uh, I'm going to float that name out, but – you know, even if that doesn't happen, because the, the Texans don't want to really trade Deshaun Watson, I, I would say, you know, given your position in the draft, uh, go and get your guy. Go and get your guy. If, if that's Justin Fields, if that's Trey Lance, if that's uh, if that's Zach Wilson, you want to trade up, go for it. Go for it. Because the question mark that's going to lead you into the future is that quarterback position. I don't want this team to turn into a, a Rams team where it's like, you have a great defense, you have a great coach, but it's the quarterback position that has the one question. Yeah. And, you know, another team that, you know, has a lot of question marks right now, the Atlanta Falcons, you know, a new coach, um, really probably going to be a new quarterback soon at some point. And I know they want to keep Matt Ryan for this year, but if you're Atlanta, you all, you're also a team that, you know, has to look for the next quarterback because Matt Ryan's getting up in age. You know, and, and you're in a terrific draft spot right now at the number four overall, I believe. So if you're Atlanta, do you, do you go after a quarterback in this year's draft? Um, well, I, I think you have to, you know, because Matt Ryan, I mean, I mean, he's a great quarterback, but I don't know if, if I'm the Falcons, look, I'm, I'm essentially wasting Matt Ryan's career because he's a good quarterback who's just has a team that, and has an ownership and has a, organization you know they, they're not building talent you know they're not they're not playing complementary football and and so I think at a certain point you have to just embrace a rebuild 
you just have to. And I think the Falcons, they're just clinging on to like guys like Matt Ryan and Julio Jones and just like, you know, the offense will get us through. But the defense is just so horrific. The offensive line is unable to protect, you know, it's just, you just got to embrace a rebuild. And, you know, I think this season was a perfect example of it. Uh, I had them going six and 10. I thought that's what there would be with that offense. They went even worse, four and 12. So if, if I'm really the Falcons, if I'm being honest, you got a new coach, trade Matt Ryan, trade Julio Jones, get draft capital and let your new coach and your GM go to work and get their guys because this team is in dire need of building up talent. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. You know, they sort of somewhat, to an extent, have to blow this thing up and start over. And fortunately, you know, that Super Bowl team is no longer what this Atlanta team is anymore, you know. And you just got to rebuild. You got to move on from that. You've got to look for the future. And if Atlanta wants to succeed, that's what they're going to have to do. Yeah, that Definitely. Uh, let's transition to the AFC South and, you know, let, let's, let's pretty much get the team, the elephant in the room out of the way, the Houston Texans. Um, yeah, Houston, we have a problem. We have a huge problem here. Um, there's no culture in Houston. There's really no culture, new coach, new GM ownership doesn't listen to their star guys. They don't even listen to, a, a private search firm who, who said to hire certain guys, but the team just went in a different direction. Um, all the star guys want out, you know, JJ Watt, he's already on a new team. Deshaun Watson, he will be on a new team because he's willing to pay millions in fines not to play. And he's eventually just going to be dead cap. That That's as, as good as he's going to be. So I don't have much to say in Houston other than they just need to get their act together. I don't know. There, this is a professional National Football League franchise, and you're seeing them act like children. Yeah, it's not good in Houston right now. And honestly, you know, Bill Bill O'Brien was keeping this team together better than what's going on right now. I mean, and, uh, at least he made the playoffs. At least he was able to make the playoffs. That's all. He was, he was able to win playoff games. You know, I'll, I'll say that much. But. Yeah, you know, I, I don't blame Deshaun for what he's doing right now. You know, it has to be done. J.J. Watt already made it happen, like you said. For Houston, you know, I had this team going 7-9, and nine, way too high on them. And, you know, for me, it was really that when you have a guy like Deshaun Watson, you're going to win a certain amount of games. You know, you're going to be competing regardless of what's going on. But there was just too much chaos around Deshaun for him to really do anything this year. And even despite that, you know, he still had himself a phenomenal season if you're just looking at numbers, but. Right. And, you know, right. You know, I had this team going six and uh, 10, I believe. They went four and 12, four and 12. So, so definitely disappointing both of us here. Um, And I'm sorry, Houston, anyone, anyone who's a Texans fans, but there's going to be more disappointment to come for the next couple years. Well, let's move on to the Jaguars here. And I think, you know, this is a team who was also in a Houston Texans type flux where players were discontent, you know, ownership was a bit stingy, but they really turned things around. You know, you look at it and they've been developing talent slowly on the defense uh, with guys like Tavin Bryan up front. Um, and, and they found themselves in a position where they have the number one pick and they're going to most likely take 
uh, Trevor Lawrence. And, you know, they found their guy, Urban Meyer. And uh, it's going to be really interesting to see what he does, but I'm, I'm really confident. I think, you know, if you follow uh, the playbook that guys like Matt Rule have done, where they come over from college and they sort of establish a culture there, uh, I think it's going to be really good for Urban Meyer. Yeah, I had this Jaguars team going 2-14, and 14, you know. They went 1-15. and 15. But as you said, you know, this is also a team that, you know, the, the Texans won more games this season than the Jaguars, but we, we feel better about the Jaguars. And, you know, if you ask us why, it's because this organization has direction. We, we know what their plan is. We know what they want to do. Houston, we have no idea what's going on in Houston. There, nobody's on the same page there. But here in Jacksonville, you have a clear plan. You know, you got the, you got a new coach. You're going to draft your franchise quarterback. And, you know, more more likely than not, you're going you're to make it work with a guy like Trevor Lawrence. You know, it's really hard to go wrong picking Trevor Lawrence with your first overall pick. That's a generational talent right there. Yeah. No, he really is. And, you know, if you get the quarterback and the coach right, that's, that's the formula in this league. If you can pair up the right coach and the right quarterback, you're going to be in a position to win on Sunday, regardless of what's going on. Those are your first two key things that you know you've got to get together. And Jacksonville really has an opportunity to do that. And I know they only won one game this year, you know, Jacksonville, but there were a lot of games that, you know, they were fighting. You know, we you think about the Green Bay game. We think about Pittsburgh. These are games that, it, even though they didn't win, you know, it's not that this was a team that had 15 horrible losses, but it's games that they were in. So I guess that's the really the idea we're trying to say. It's This team is not as bad as they kind of feel, at least felt. And I, even before the season, I, I know we were thinking, you know, there's a lot of talent on this team. And then, you know, the, especially like the defensive line, we were sort of optimistic. And even though that didn't translate to wins, there's still a foundation here for this Jacksonville organization to work on. Perfectly said. Savic, I, I think, you know, the direction and, you know, everyone being on the same page, knowing where you want to be in the next few years, what your goal is for this season. I think that's really important to have and identify for any team. And I think Houston just lacks that. Uh, you know, this is a team that I had going one in 15. They went one in 15, but really throw the season out. Throw the season out. It doesn't matter. It was a season in flux and chaos. You know, you had guys like Leonard Fournette, Yannick Nagakwe wanted out. Um, they went to different teams. But really, this is a team that now knows their coach and knows their quarterback. That is the two biggest things. And I think they're very, very close to answering both of them. And an under, underrated thing that I might add is that, you know, Urban Meyer, he's, he's Ohio State head coach, and he established – a dominant program, like over a couple of years, a team that's a perennial national contender and developed numerous, numerous NFL talents that have just become superstars across the league. With the cap space this year, watch guys want to go to Jacksonville because of Urban Meyer, right? This is, you know, a lot of Ohio State guys will themselves want to come to Jacksonville because of Urban Meyer. That's their college coach. That's their guy, right, who developed them. And with Jacksonville and the amount of cap space they have, that will be an underrated thing, not just this year, but years to come. Because they have that great college coach who has a relationship with a lot of guys in the league, and they have a generational talent like 
I, I'm not going to say Tom Brady, but he has sort of an effect where it's like guys want to come and play for him, right? So I think that's a really underrated aspect and, and something that the Jacksonville Jaguars, they can definitely use to their advantage. All right, let's shift gears here to the Tennessee Titans. You know, I had this team going nine and seven. They went 11 and five, winning the AFC South division. And, you know, with Tennessee, this is no longer just a team that's sort of average. You know, this is a real contender now with Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry, Mike Rabel, phenomenal coach. You know, this team has has had direction for a long time. You know, we understand what this team wants to do. They want to pound the rock. They want to hit, get play action going. They want to play good defense. You know, pass rush wasn't as good this year. That's definitely something they're going to have to address. But I feel like Tennessee has stability. This organization, they are a legit contender. Yeah, this was a team that used to be, you know, they would give you nine wins every year. They were mediocre, but they've sort of elevated uh, to the next step of getting 11 to 12 wins and making the playoffs every year, especially with Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill, and the offensive system they run. It, it's, it's really good what they've been able to do for the past couple of years. You know, I, I had this team going 10 and 6. They went 11 and 5, pretty much the same ballpark here. But really, the one thing for Tennessee is, you know, maybe you want to add a guy on the pass rush. I think that's solvable, but it's really diversifying away from Derrick Henry, making your offense more versatile. Uh, Because especially in the Ravens playoff loss, we saw that if a team is able to stop the run for Tennessee, then it's over. I definitely think there's a lack of playmakers. Uh, You know, I think definitely they need to add one or two more guys to help Ryan Tannehill and A.J. Brown sort of when you're late in game, you can just go down the field. Yeah. And, you know, with Tennessee, I think like the problem you said is they kind of put all their eggs into one basket, you know, with Derrick Henry. And if, if a defense, you know, takes Derrick Henry out of the game, you know, whether that's, you know, game script being down by a lot of points, you think back to that Cleveland game, you think back to, you know, Green Bay being down by a lot, the playoff game against Baltimore, when you can't, you can't really, you know, give the ball to Derrick Henry consistently because, whether whatever the game dictates, then you're sort of limited as an offense. You know, you become one-dimensional. And th- that's really what gives Tennessee trouble. When when a defense really takes away Derrick Henry, they don't have another real answer because the pa- play action only really works when running the ball works. Right. And, you know, essentially, like you, like you said, you know, they put their eggs in one basket and sometimes they're going to drop that basket and – they're going to lose. So I'd rather have multiple eggs, you know, one egg with AJ Brown, one egg with another receiver and one egg with Derrick Henry. So that basket with Derrick Henry falls, they got other guys that they can rely on. Um, let, let's, let's go to the Colts now. And um, Wait, this is a team that's also putting their eggs. Oh, okay. Yeah. Putting their eggs, yeah. Okay, okay. Okay. Right. Let's look at another team that's putting their eggs in one basket and that's the Colts. And I think, I think there's one really big thing that I'll fit in the room with these Colts. It's that Carson Wentz trade. And I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give the floor to you, Savi, because you know Carson Wentz best. You saw your connection with Frank Reich. What do you have to say about this trade? And what, what do you think it means for the Colts here? Yeah, you know, over this last couple of years, this Carson Wentz basket has been really volatile. But here's what I will say, you know, going to this organization with Indy, you know, it's been said over and over again, we don't need to repeat it. Frank Ray, Carson Wentz, the connection is there. 
you know, the offensive line, you've got pieces, you've got a defense, you've got everything in place. And, you know, if I think Carson Wentz is going to bounce back this year. Is he going to go back to being an MVP quarterback? That's to be seen. But I think the pieces are there around him, and he's, he's going to be in such a good position this year. And you know, that, that's the thing, as an Eagles fan here, right, you know, people are going to really hate on us for, for trading Carson Wentz, you know, or saying moving on from him. Ha, oh, look at him. You, you gave him up for so little, and, and now he's an elite quarterback over there. And, you know, it's true. But here's the, here's the fact of the matter. The state that the Eagles are in right now, there's just so much history between Carson Wentz and the Eagles, Nick Foles coming in, Jalen Hurts. Carson Wentz just needs a fresh start. He needs to go somewhere else. He needs to go to a place that has guys that can support him on the roster. And that place is Indy. Yeah, it's not as black and white as it seems. It's a prism of colors. And I think it's unfair to say that, you know, the Eagles just traded Carson Wentz away for nothing. Because, you know, unlike the Eagles, Indy has a culture. And Indy has a very, very good team around Carson Wentz. So he's going into a good situation. And, and look, this Colts team... You know, they're, they're an 11-12 win team. They went 11-5 and five this year. I had them going 10-6. and six. So they're pretty much right there, similar to the Tennessee side, Titans, you know, right in that ballpark. Um, but if I'm Indy, I'm making a really big bet on Carson Wentz here. And if you look at it and you look at, you know, Indy's future holistically, I'm bringing in Carson Wentz. But what if Carson Wentz – doesn't work out do I have a backup plan do I have an insurance policy or can I get one and and we've seen that when the Eagles did it with Jalen Hurts or even you go back to Nick Foles it sort of hurts Carson Wentz's mentality right so so you can't bring in another young guy or go in the draft and get another young guy to develop just in case Carson Wentz doesn't come uh you know in case just in case Carson Wentz doesn't come through so really and, and if Carson Wentz doesn't you know, come through and you don't have a backup plan, you're going to be wasting a lot of guys and a lot of talent that you've accumulated on one team because in two to three years, these guys will be asking for money, a lot of it, right? So I'm making a huge bet on Carson Wentz here. And I think, it's, you know, it's, it's really underrated, not really talked about the, the fact that Indy's just, they're going all in here. So if I if, look, this has to work. It's just plain and simple as that. This has to work. That that old connection with Frank Reich and Carson Wentz, it has to work. Yeah, no, absolutely. And they are going all in on Carson Wentz. But, you know, another thing that a lot of people aren't talking about necessarily is they do have an option. They have a, they have a plan B here because if this year, you know, Carson Wentz doesn't prove that he is the franchise quarterback, they do have an opt-out after the 2021 season. And that's sort of a fail-safe for Indianapolis – and of course, you know, people aren't really talking about this, but you know, th- that's not the intention here. The intention is for Carson Wentz to turn things around because he, he's just too talented to be playing like he did this season. He, he just is. And, you know, I said it, I think he's going to bounce back. He's going to have a good season. I, I really think the Colts are going to make the playoffs. I had him going, I had him going 10 and six this past year. They went 11 and five. I had them win in the division, but you know, midseason, I switched over to the Titans. You know, I, I picked them to win the division. But the Titans and Colts, they're both right there in this division. I absolutely think Indianapolis can win it. Um, they'll probably both be in the playoffs in 2021. But, you know, Carson Wentz has to be what takes this, like, elevates this team. You know, he can't be what holds him back. 
Yeah, and you know, we have the backfield riff. We're not we're not looking to demean any guys. We're we're not looking to hate on any guys. We want the best for all of these guys, and the same goes for Carson Wentz. All right. With that being said, thank you for listening to the 36th episode of our podcast, The Backfield Rift. Stay tuned for our next episode, which will be our free agency special for the 2021 NFL free agency class, where we'll be looking into the top free agents and the teams that need them. Until then, it's been Satvich Srinivas and Arnav Rastogi. Stay safe and take care.